the Fantasy Six-Pack Hour. With your hosts, Joe Bob and A.J. Appleton. Cut down! Welcome to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, founder of FantasySixPack.net. With me as usual, co-host AJ Applegarth. What's up, man? What's crappening? How are you? Crappening. That's a that's a new adjective. Whatever. I don't is know it? what the hell I that mean, is. It's not even mine. I can't even take credit for it because I'm don't know. pretty sure somebody had said that. I'm getting to it, Mike. Chill down up there, <laughs> guy in the sky. God damn. <laughs> I'm doing oh. great, aside from Michael and his angry. Do you want me to bug you on camera chat? or behind camera? I'm sorry. Right, we're gonna move what, on. What was that? Um, so anyway, we got a great show. Uh, we are starting an hour late, so hopefully you all are still with us. Um, but uh, we're gonna be talking some some rankings. Uh, this is our last preseason show of the year, so. Uh, getting you all ready for your last and uh, your, your last few drafts before the season. Um, got a couple great guests as well. But before we jump into all of that, just want to remind you, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, uh, leave those comments. We appreciate it. Uh, it goes a long way in helping us out. And of course, jump over to fantasy6pack.net and become an all-access member today. You're going to get access to the draft cheat sheet, which was just updated minutes before the show um, with minutes, fresh ADP people. and projection data. Huh? I said minutes, people. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, um, all right. I'm going to get access to our award winning rankings, our projections, our, you can get access to us directly on Discord where you can ask all of your custom league questions directly to us, uh, a whole bunch more as well. Um, so make sure you go over there, use promo code F6P NFL for 15% off. And <clears throat> of course, Guys, if you if you haven't, if you're looking to join more leagues, uh, create them over Fantrax. Um, we've done our our mocks over there. We um, the the system's great. Um, I'm not gonna lie. It's uh, I know they're not the first name you think of when you think of fantasy football. There are many other sites that get thought of before them, but they shouldn't be. They they they, they make a good product over there. And if you create a league over there, you'll be entered into a raffle for a signed travis kelsey jersey so that's pretty cool as well a little bonus there but without further ado let's bring on our guests tonight starting with billy muzio um director of operations over there player profiler um since we're doing rankings most accurate draft ranker in 2021 number four in season in 2022 this guy definitely Ooh. knows what he's doing so uh how's it going yeah, tonight man Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you being flexible at the schedule. Had a back to school night for the kiddos, and uh, here we are now. Just popped a bottle of wine, ready to talk some some projections and dive into the numbers. So appreciate you having me on, and excited to to jump in. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for coming. And uh, next, yeah, Jared Smola, draft sharks analyst, uh, the number ten draft ranker in twenty twenty two, most accurate over the last three years. That is awesome, dude. Um, so got a couple studs here for the rankings contest. How's it going tonight, Jared? Yeah, it's going well. Thanks for having me, guys. I also had uh, I had my first ever uh, parent orientation for for my daughter tonight. Um, so I'm I'm feeling old tonight. <laughs> Welcome to my, my world. <laughs> my back to school night is next Thursday. Um, I'm sending the wife. 
because I went last year. So she can have some. (laughs) Her turn. Um, But anyway, um, we're going to jump into some rankings talk, a little bit about our process, kind of how you use your rankings when you're drafting, and then jump into some specific players. Uh, You guys were kind enough to send me both your rankings. I was able to kind of dig through them and kind of get some guys that you all do not agree on uh, or just kind of caught my eye in general. So before we do that, though, I want to cover our drink of the week. Mm, Beer. All right. Um, Billy, what you got, man? I got a Acumen Napa Valley Mountainside Cabernet. All right. The whole bottle. Love it. The whole bottle. (laughs) Yeah. Not just a glass, the entire <laughs> bottle. You know, when, when you when you get lost in the sheets, you need you need something to wet your whistle. And uh, <laughs> right. and uh, wine is my drink of choice. And so awesome. little little pasta, little wine, hang out, go grab some cheese platters later. It's just right up my alleyway. Nice, nice. Uh Jared, I don't think you're you're drinking the alcohol tonight, but what what you got over there? High high ABV. <laughs> high quality h2o nice <laughs> we, we we like it um i got water true story i, I uh I, I i photoshopped a picture of my co-host here joe bond on top of the uh, bobby boucher um <laughs> standard photograph of him with the jersey and just hanging out uh glasses and all fantastic so yeah because my because my team name on that on that in that league is don't smoke crack yeah, and it's the picture of Bobby it, it used Boucher. to be a joint oh, team, and now now we've separated. So it's like, okay, well, I can uh, I can one up you there. And that was like ten years ago. Damn, Bondi co- Bondi Boucher's uh, Water Boys is my my team name there. And you sniped uh, me with Trevor Lawrence, you jackass. Um, anyway. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so I myself am drinking the uh, the beer of choice from the Fantasy Expo. This is a local Baltimore brewery, brewery, brewery fantasy. Or, so God, I cannot talk. I'm Keep sorry. drinking, buddy. <laughs> I will. I have been all night. Oh Fancy pants because mm. I had really cool pants on Friday night. If you were at the expo, you uh, might have yes. seen them. They were golf pants. You made the, Instagram, you made the Instagram video. Um, okay. Then I right. guess I did something right. Fantastic. I'm drinking uh, another one of the Vermont brewery beers that I've got in the fridge. The Alchemist uh, Heady <clears throat> Topper. Um, it's an IPA, Ooh, but it's 8%. I, had I have not had this one yet, but um, if it's anything like the last one I had, it's going to be really good. You should like that. And I'm gone. Oh, yes. Yeah, that, that's very good. Okay. What happened? <laughs> anyway. I, all right. I don't know. Every time, know. every time, I feel like that's a, a we a new weekly thing. Mike just kicks me out of the show uh, when you do your beer because I I oh. didn't do anything. Shut <laughs> up, liar! <laughs> I think we got a uh, who said that? A, a, a water boy <laughs> um, reference here. Gatorade. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, all right, so let's jump into things here. So um, where I like to start out is just kind of going through the process like how do we do this so um jared we'll start with you kind of what is your rankings process how do you come about them yeah my rankings are totally fueled by my projections so i you know project all 32 teams kind of a top-down approach so you know what i mean by that is i'll start the you know top top thing is how many plays is this team going to run um you know then then you kind of look at the the pass run split 
you know, factor in sack, right? Kind of gives you the total pass attempts, total rush attempts for each team. Then you start going about, you know, divvying those things up. So, you know, carry share for running backs, target share for, for, you know, the rest of the positions. Then you kind of get into the efficiency stuff, like the yards per catch, the catch rate, the touchdown rate, all that stuff. And it kind of, you know, spits out these, you know, final season long player projections. Then you can, then you can really at that point apply those projections to really any scoring system and get Mm -hmm. rankings for that specific scoring system. All right. Uh, Billy. Yeah, same thing. I I usually start like inputting things like around the Super Bowl so I don't get too far behind. And that way we can get some early rankings out. Um, I think everything Jared says is exactly how I do it. The only Mm -hmm. thing piece I'd like to add on to it is I usually once I get the total team plays, I usually like to start at the quarterback position. It just gives me a good kind of sense of where the ball is going to be distributed. And then from there, I fill in the receivers and the running back, the target shares, and then start filling in the rest of the running backs and and, and the rush share. Um, and then as the season kind of progresses and camp news is coming out and we have more time to analyze the systems and the coaching schemes and everything that's happening is when I start making those manual adjustments and maybe go above uh, two or three year trends or, or whatever the algorithm is kicking out for a yards per carry or yards per attempt. And I'll make those adjustments manually based upon how I believe the offense is going to look and, and maybe the additions that they've given the quarterback, maybe more weapons, less weapons, offensive line is healthy, unhealthy, et cetera. And then we adjust and tweak those things up and down based upon what I call as the human factor and then making those adjustments. Yeah. So I, I've been I've been personally adding in a bit more projection base. I, I used to be kind of more just gut feel, um, pretty much all around. Uh, but starting last year, I uh, I started with a projection based um, start, and then I would add a little bit of my my gut. Like I would move people around. Like eh, <clears throat> I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. Even though that's what the numbers spit out, I might move them down a couple spots, type of thing. Like like I can't because I kind of do it like how I would actually draft them too. For the most part. Um, so with that being said, though, Billy, we'll start with you on this one. Are there any players that like once your projections spit out the initial numbers that you're like, oh, like the kind of eye popping, like I'm surprised that they're that high or that low. Anybody that jumps out to you? Yeah, it was honestly like just everybody, the whole receiving core in the you know Kansas City Chiefs was just lower than I anticipated in the first run. It's it's the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, it's one of the best offenses in football, and you expect somebody to be inside the top 30 at the wide receiver position, and just nobody was. And there is a lot of uncertainty, and I understand why it's not there, but it's just a little bit – at the same time, you, you just – don't want to get burned by it because you know yeah. that somebody is probably going to finish inside the top 30 here. We just don't know exactly who we have you know, good guesses with Sky Moore and potential, you know, Tony, if he could ever stay healthy. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of different possibilities, but it's always interesting to see how the numbers kick out and, and then how you analyze the situation. I think the other one was um, looking at the backfield for the Detroit Lions. Um, you know, I have both these guys inside the top 20. And so uh, I know they have an off- outstanding offensive line and a pretty consolidated uh, tree in the backfield. And, and so the, the numbers are going to, you know, prop them up. But ultimately, um, you know, it, it's I'm a little nervous kind of putting a rookie inside the top 12 of the position, you know, and, and uh, it's a pretty tight group there. So like any minor tweak, he could move to 15. Honestly, there's like a five point swing between like RB 12 and RB like 15 for me. And so it's just going to be a matter of the final news and information, but it was interesting to see two of those backs instead of the top 20 in my projections. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, Jerry, what about you, man? 
Yeah, the one guy that came to mind for me immediately for this question, and this has probably been my answer for the past like two or three years, is Joe Mixon. So it's like you look at the Bengals' yes. backfield, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, where the hell are these touches going to go, especially this year, right? Because it's, you know, Chris Evans, Chase Brown, Trayvon Williams. So it's like tough not to give Joe Mixon a ton of volume. And, you know, if you give him a ton of volume, he's going to come out high in the rankings. And, you know, he, he I think he is you know, pretty high in our rankings. He's a guy I have, you know, drafted. I was especially drafting him when he was going in like the fifth round a couple months ago. Now that he's, you know, into the third, I'm kind of backing off him. But, I mean, there, there's obviously concerns with Mixon, right? I mean, the efficiency stuff was, was not good last year. He is getting up there in age. But he's also the clear lead back in a top five offense, which, you know, and, and for, to, for me, especially at running back, it's like volume over everything. Like, I care about volume more than yeah. anything else. And I, I do think he's going to, you know, still get pretty nice volume this season. Yeah, um, hundred percent. Yeah, I um, one of the guys that that kind of shocked me it was uh, um, Drake London, and we'll, we'll I think we're getting to him a little bit later, or maybe not. Um, no, we're not. I I looked at him, but uh, I didn't pick on him. Uh, but um, you know, it, he's higher than I kind of thought he'd be. Um, like right around twenty for me, uh, with the projections, and so I kind of have to like I just don't know how much I really believe in you know, the, the offensive system there and the quarterback play and, you know, Bijan's going to carry the rock a ton probably and, and get a lot of work there. And, you know, if Pitts can actually like take a lot of targets away, maybe I, I just don't know. I don't know really what to think with him, but the projections and, and the amount of targets that he sees um, all say that he should perform. It's just, it's a nervous like 20 or 21, right? When you see that pop out, you're like, Oh, Really, man. I mean that he, that could that could turn out real bad, <laughs> I think. But um, I mean, that's I'm not alone there. Like you know, I I do look at other people's rankings and I see it. And I'm like, I mean, all right, not I'm not alone at least. <laughs> so I'm not dying on that hill alone. Um, but yeah, that's that that is an interesting one. Um, AJ, next up. All right. So now we are looking at, you know, obviously outside of injuries. Who specifically has been moving up your board, um, you know, up and down, uh, and, and why? Like, just give us your, you know, top one or two guys. Like, we don't want to expose too much here, but just somebody that's been a, a pretty frequent mover because of the injuries, or, or I'm sorry, not because of injuries. Go for it, Jared. Jared, yeah, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, the, the two I have are um, Damian Pierce and Luke Musgrave. Um, and, and both of these are largely because what we saw in the preseason. Um, Damian Pierce, you know, his preseason debut, he plays 14 straight snaps you know, without coming off the field. And then in Houston's last preseason game, uh, Pierce was on the field for all nine of C.J. Stroud's snaps. So I, I had sort of been projecting, I don't know, you know something close to it two to one split with, with Pierce and Devin Singletary. I now think Pierce is going to get, you know, a bigger share of that backfield. There, there's still concerns with that Texans offense in general, and the offensive line has already suffered some injuries um, over the past month. So there's still concerns there, but I think volume wise again, uh, uh, you know, volume so huge for running backs. I think Pierce is in for, you know, something pretty close to an every down role there. And then um, man, Luke, Luke Musgrave, the usage he got this preseason, 24% target share. He ran a route on 89% of Jordan Love's dropbacks. Those are like quite literally like top five marks for tight ends. Mm. And I'm not saying Luke Musgrave is going to finish as a top five tight end, but like if he stays near 
an 89% route rate in the regular season, like it's going to be hard for him not to, to finish as at least a top 12 fantasy tight end. So I know, you know, the rookie tight ends are usually bad bats. I get all that, but um, you know, everything we've seen and, and he- really heard from Musgrave, even out of Packers training camp is that, you know, he's going to be a big part of this passing game right out of the gate. For me, uh, two moving up right now. The first one, I'm going to go a little deep here for everybody, um, is Alec Pierce, wide receiver for the Colts. Um, he just started to get – he almost cracked the top 60, but when we saw the consolidation at the uh, wide receiver core for them, I mean, up until like maybe two hours after the cut deadline, they only had three receivers on the roster. Um, they, they, they ended up settling with um, Isaiah McKenzie as a fourth once they put – um, Jelani Woods onto IR, but it's a, it's a pretty consolidated target tree. I do have concerns about Anthony Richardson as a passer, but when you only have three, four receivers, it's it's pretty easy to disperse the targets and to to, to kind of see a clear path for success. And even in a uh, offense that I expect to be one of the lowest passing volumes offense in the league, um, he's still going to have opportunity in order to produce. Um, and we saw last year as a rookie, you know, he had 77 targets as a rookie. He almost eclipsed the 600 yard mark. He had 17 and percent target rate, uh, route participation close to 80%. So we expect these numbers in this trend to, to have an upward trajectory into 2023. And I'm pretty excited to see what he's able to do. Cause you can get him in like round 16 and 17 in drafts. So it's cheap. And, and you're mm-hmm. looking at an every down wide receiver on the field here for 2023. Uh, the other one is Jahan Dotson, um, turf toe, Terry, you know, sideline a little bit with that turf toe. Um, but I think that uh, Jahan Dawson did enough as a rookie last year to kind of insert himself potentially as the 1A in this offense, especially inside the red zone category and touchdown department. Um, you know, yeah. seven touchdowns on 12 games last season. And um, he just seemed to be a playmaker, was always kind of in the right place at the right time. Some people just have a knack for catching the ball inside the end zone. And we saw that with Jahan Dotson. Um, I think that this year, Eric Bieniemy coming over from the Kansas City Chiefs, they're going to get creative. They're going to try to scheme things up. They're, you know, Bieniemy's trying to, find himself a head coach position. So I think that they're going to get pretty creative with the play calling this year. And uh, I, I think they're going to possibly surprise people with, with their offense. And, um, you know, John Dotson himself had multiple top 20 weeks in fantasy points per game last year, you know, once one instead of the top 10, uh, multiple instead of the top 20. And so pretty excited to see what he can do here in 2023 and really like what he saw from route participation as a rookie, 86.6% route participation. And again, expect that to continue to climb here for this year. Yeah. I, I think the big thing with, with thoughts and I, I love that call is the fact that, you know, Rivera is so enamored with, with how, and the fact that he's coming into this year, like, I don't have a question mark at quarterback because I've got how, and and the fact that he's like, yeah, Wentz, that was a question mark. Well, how yeah, looks good in the preseason. I mean, yes, it, it, it's very. It's you look at it and say, man, I, these guys have been horrible at evaluating quarterback talent the past few years. And <laughs> the fact that he <laughs> snuck down as I, low as he did, I mean, he's he's he looks great, and so yeah. um, they have the weapons to support him. You know, mm-hmm. and even with Terry kind of banged up right now, they still have weapons, um, both on the on the ground and in the air. And so I'm pretty excited to see what Washington does this year. I really do think they're going to be a lot better than people think. Uh, yeah, Howell can run too. Howell can yeah. run too. There we go. Yeah, Mace exactly. is, in, is chiming in here. Howell's one hell of a sleeper. I mean, I've been saying it all along. You know, like I, I was. I know. I, so I'm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I'm I'm a Washington fan, or at least I'm I'm back. Well, I'm back on the. You're back as a Washington fan because I, I did not. Wagon. I could not root for them while Snyder was still in town. So now that he's gone, I'm back. But I just remember, like, as soon as 
they drafted Howell, um, a lot of my friends were texting me like, oh, that's a horrible pick. And I'm like, fifth round for a guy who went into the last year of his college um, as a Heisman candidate to start the year. And then UNC was just awful. It wasn't his fault. They were terrible. So like his Heisman stock dropped like a rock because of it. If you look at all the stats, he was kind of the same guy, but he added all the rushing to it. So it was like even better. It just it was because of uh, Malik Willis. He wasn't getting drafted, and everybody was waiting for that domino to fall to take the next quarterback. And then finally, they all started going. And Washington, I feel like found a gem like in the fifth round. Like I, I really do believe Halleck is going to be way better than people think. Um, one guy that I've noticed is, is sort of keeps dr- continually to creep up my board a little bit is Calvin Ridley. Um, you know, you kind of wanted to see how he how the rust was gonna you know come off and. And, and things like that. But he, he's looked really good. Him and Trevor Lawrence have, have looked like they're kind of on the same page already. So that, that's a really good sign. And so he just keeps continually like this little incremental like climb up the board for me. Um, we know he's an immense talent. It's just it was just a matter of, you know, he hasn't really played in a while. And yeah. we see how that affects people differently. So um, that, that's uh, that's that's a guy for me who, who's been climbing for sure. Yeah, um, let's jump into our QBs here. So well, actually, we we have more questions real quick. If you don't mind, do we? Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. you're, you're I skipping. Scanned, I scanned wrong. <laughs> so the ne- the next group of questions here is kind of how we um, how we use our rankings to draft and like how we actually just enter a draft with what tools, right? And so rankings is a is a tool that people will use a lot, and and most people do. Um, but when when you enter a draft with your rankings, are you using those like like a bit of a Bible? Like you have to draft in this order. This is the guy. Or are you like you get to a group of players and there's like two or three and you're like, eh, I mean, this is the guy on the top of my list. But I don't I just something telling me not to draft him and you skip. Um, Jared, what, what, what do you do there? Yeah, I, I definitely don't just like go down my rankings and draft, you know, top player. I, I I don't think that's the right way to do it. I think drafts are just way more complicated than that. Um, you know, t- tiers is obviously a big thing, right? You, you need to understand tiers and, you know, where the, the last. Yeah, that was one of our other might, questions. Might so can, that's, that's good. Um, yeah, so yeah. That, that's good. And another thing, too, I think is range of outcomes with players. You know, the, right. the ranking, I think, kind of shows you what's most likely to happen, kind of like a, like a, a you know, baseline projection. Yeah, but um, we we actually had, we had draft sharks. We do uh, ceiling and floor projections for every player, so you can kind of see the range of outcomes. And I think that, I think that matters. You know, at some points of drafts, you might want a safer player with a higher floor, but but also but you know maybe a lower ceiling. And at some points of the drafts, you might you know be willing to you know take a gamble on a guy that has a lower floor but also a higher ceiling. So all that stuff is worth keeping in mind as you know cobble mm-hmm. together your your roster. And I did that exact same thing last night in a draft with me and AJ. We're both in. You know, I took. In, in my opinion, you know, I took my first receiver with Jalen Waddle, and, you know, I think he's got a really good floor. Maybe his ceiling's a little cat. He's not like, to me, he's not like blow up potential a lot of weeks, but he's got like, no, he's going to be reliable every single week. And then I took a couple receivers after him to kind of balance that back out to go a little like, okay. They, they, their floor might be a little lower, but their ceilings every week is much higher too. And so I took that yeah. risk 
you know, like I could have taken it. I think it was, was that the Ridley over Keenan Allen? Yeah, it was. Ridley, yeah. So I could have gone Allen, Keenan Allen, but they kind of feel uh, like the same player. Okay. Waddle and Allen, like they're kind of the same type of player to me in fantasy, as far as like what you're saying, Jerry, like with the range of outcomes. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Ridley to me feels like he could be like, I mean, he might score 35 one week, but then the next week, who knows? He might score eight, you know, but like it sucks the week he scores eight, but man, you know, you hope to get that like that right balance where it's all working every single week. Um, so yeah, I, I totally feel you on that. Uh, yeah, Billy, what definitely. about you, man? How do you how do you enter your drafts and how do you use your rankings in your drafts? Yeah, projections are a mathematical equation where drafting is an art to me, and you can't <clears throat> utilize the two the same. And I, I believe in you know I always say on the podcast you got to be like. Bruce Lee and be water, my friend, instead of a draft room. And if you go in with a mathematical approach, you're going to limit yourself because if you are unaware of, of draft room swings and you're drafting purely off of projections and numbers, you may miss out on building the monster team because maybe somebody falls to you a round or two later than, than they've been going just because the room is maybe less hot on that player. And if you would have taken him in round, let's say six, and he just falls to you in round eight, you know, you, you got to be able to make adjustments and kind of read the room. And so I do not just base draft off my projections. Um, I do like to draft like five to 10% of my portfolio based hundred percent off projections. Um, but it's not a large number. And I try to go in just knowing that I'm just going to stick to this. They don't usually do as well as the, the ones that I go in and, and I'm fluid with, but I do like to have a, a systematic approach to a few of them just because I like to, uh, look at my overall ownership and diversify. And so by doing that, the best thing I can do is ignoring my biases at times and, and maybe ignoring a player that I'm higher on and going purely with the number. And so I will do it just to get some different players that I haven't been drafting um, just to kind of spread, spread my uh, risk amongst other players. So um, that's kind of the biggest piece with drafting for me. Um, but I do believe in tier-based drafting as well, like Jared said, because when you look at, you know, for me, like I mentioned earlier with Gibbs, like someone from 12 to 17 is separated by like five fantasy points. And so at the end of the day, are we really that convicted that that player is going to be that much better than this player mm -hmm. at, the end of the, at the end of the season when we have a 17-week season ahead of us and anything is possible? So I think it's important to continue to take players inside that tier and to also kind of spread out your your ownership. Yeah. And I mean, to take that one step further, I know, I know, I, you know, I know everybody's got their tools that they got on their sites to kind of help with this. You know, I, I build a cheat sheet over at fantasy six pack that kind of helps with tiering. Um, and so, you know, it, it gives a value overall value for everybody, but then it also breaks it down by position. Like how valuable are they at the position with who's left on the board? And so you can kind of see, it really helps to like break down like, Oh, there's a group like the board. It's overall saying take a take a running back, right? Yeah. But if you look over at the like the running backs versus the running backs or the receivers versus the running backs, sorry, um, you might see that there's like a massive teardrop between the top receiver left on the board. But there's like six running backs that are all kind of the same. So Not maybe you got to go take that receiver, and then you can come back and get one of those running backs, and you didn't really lose much value. Not just that, but what if you're like on the ten hole and the eleven, the twelve guy? have no tight ends and you don't have a tight end that's they're heavy on running back and receiver and you have the option of either taking the top person on your board who's a running back or receiver <clears> or you can you know maybe reach a half around and take a tight end to secure yourself an elite tight end and 
knowing that they're more than likely going to take one at the position. And so you have to be able to adjust based upon what other drafters in the room. Oh yeah. Play the board. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's number one. Never, never go into a draft with a set thing and, you know, never just go, Oh, the rankings are telling me to do this. You're probably going to lose. You got to play the board. You got to read the room. Absolutely. Um, AJ, you got any thoughts on, on using rankings and, drafting yeah, strategies absolutely like that. i mean i i think that you know from me as i i feel like i can't necessarily call myself a casual player at this point because i'm in way too many leagues to be casual about it but i definitely look at rankings i look i look at everybody here's rankings and and try to find you know a, a happy medium for some of these things but i definitely want to also pull from you know and i'm a sucker for this at at some points but i pull from you know the site whichever platform it is whether it's fan tracks or sleeper or or mfl you know i'll look at the high point scores and then i see where those guys lie and then i kind of go back to adp and then i'll go back to the rankings and then i'm like all right well this is what this site's telling me. I'm not going to weigh that as much a lot of times, unless it's later rounds. Um, but, you know, I have my guys. I know where I like to try to grab these guys, um, you know, that are that are in my own personal rankings. Like, I'm not anywhere near the caliber that, that you guys are on this. So I look to the experts and I try to see where, where you guys have these guys and then just kind of go with the law of averages and, and then kind of weigh it that way. Um, and, yeah. and I may feel strongly more strongly about a certain player and it, it depends on the draft board where things are falling. I agree hundred percent. You've got to follow some of these trends. Don't bite into them too much, but, you know, you also don't want to get burned by them like like Joe did last night when I took Trevor Lawrence. So it is it is crazy too how much the uh, how much the rankings within the draft room you're in impact. Where oh guys yeah, kind of oh, board, right? it's, like, it's it's amazing it, and it's the, different. In the ADP every on every site is so like if it's I, I all over the place. If you've ever, I know, I looked at the because our because our tool actually builds in brings in the ADP data just as a reference point. Um, whenever I switch it over to ESPN, I'm always like just my mind is blown at some of the ADP over over ESPN. It literally doesn't make any sense. I'm like, I think at one point I saw like a, a defense at like 66 at one point earlier in the year. I don't know if it's still I, that way. I, I'd have I to would look. not be surprised to it's, see ESPN still ranking Tom Brady as probably QB3. I haven't drafted there yet, but that's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, but like every site is so different, and I know there's you know there are sites out there that write articles to say how you can take advantage of drafts in Yahoo, ESPN, CBS, you know the 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 major player sites um, because the advantages are out there because people walk into drafts, casual players, and they don't really do any research and they're just using what you know the five or six players that's on the you know next up list that's on, on the sheet on the draft uh system that they're using so um that's why you know our rankings can help you kind of 
work around that and go, oh, well, so-and-so's not here, but everybody's got him, you know, much higher on the board. So that's that's where our rankings help. Um, I think, yeah. you know, for, for us, we sort of know the other, like the next level of using the rankings as an advantage. Um, but that's why we do, that's why we make them for everybody to use and, and hopefully do very well in their drafts with them. Um, yeah. So let's jump into some player debate. Y'all ready? Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Start All right, so we're gonna start with some quarterbacks. Sure. So one of the one of the names that popped out to me immediately, um, Justin Herbert, uh, ECR is QB seven. I believe I have him six. Um, Billy, you have him at QB four. Uh, Jared, you have QB five. <laughs> um, Billy, we're gonna start with you because you're higher on him. Uh, why, uh, very optimistic on a Herbert big season, which I would love because I got him in both the Kings classic drafts that I was in. Absolutely love Justin Herbert. I have him projected for the most pass attempts in the NFL. It starts there with the volume, as Jared said earlier. Um, <clears throat> last year was second in attempts only to Tom Brady. Tom Brady, of course, no longer in the league. And that was with a broken rib and a bum shoulder. Um, the other part that I really like is that, um, they added to his weaponry. And uh, he's got more weapons at his disposal. And the other piece is that they got Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator here. And uh, Kellen Moore had a, in my opinion, was a mistake to let him go in Dallas. I probably would have yeah. promoted him and fired McCarthy, but I'm not Jerry Jones, so that's not my decision. But in the yeah. four seasons as offensive coordinator, uh, Moore ranked number two in the NFL in total offense with 391 yards per game. He was uh, number two also in points per game at 27.7. He was also the fourth best in passing offense at 264 yards a game and ranked number seven in the league in rushing offense at 126 a game. Um, and so I think him with Herbert with the additional weapons and, and, in my opinion, better weapons they had in Dallas, this offense, like the sky is the ceiling. Like if we got at the end of 2023, it would not surprise me if Herbert was the number one quarterback in the league. That's how high I am on Herbert here and this Chargers offense in general. Um, you know, doing some projection updates today, Eckler even moved RB2 up ahead of Christian McCaffrey for me. And so I really like the Bolts this year. I'm pretty high, as you can see, on, on, on Herbert, on the Chargers, and more and everybody in general. You have you have Herbert ahead of uh, Lamar Jackson, Billy. I do. Nice, nice. Yeah, I guess that was that was my big question. And 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 Jared, you you can, you know, kind of talk to this too. Like, I know Herbert. He's not, you know, he, he's not Tom Brady. He's not going to sit there in the pocket and just stand there. But he's not a runner, right? And so, like, uh, putting him in front of like you know Fields is sort of a toss up for me. I'm super nervous on Fields, but I do know how much his legs will carry his value. Right. And so Jared, I'm, I'm guessing I, I didn't actually uh, memorize it. Um, I think I still have the rankings up somewhere. I have too many windows open, so I yeah. can't find it right now, but uh, I'm guessing that you having him at QB five, you've got him ahead of fields. So kind of explain yes. why you put him in front of those, those rushing quarterbacks per se. Yeah, I have Herbert ahead of Fields behind Lamar, and yeah, it's the rushing that does push Lamar ahead of Herbert for me. Herbert at cost is my favorite target in fantasy drafts. Yes. You know, he's, he's going he's going two rounds behind uh, Lamar Jackson. So, and Billy hit on all the reasons why. The one thing I would add is um, Herbert's touchdown rate last year, three point six percent. That was down from five point seven percent the previous year. League wide average passing touchdown rate is like four and a half percent. So Her Herbert was like a full percentage point below the league wide average. Like he, 
is really good. His weapons are really good. He's in a good system. Like I think we can comfortably project him to be above average as far as touchdown rate. So he should have a, a bunch more touchdowns coming this season. Yeah, like I said, I I, I like him. Um, my my gut tells me I've. This is one of the ones where my rankings are telling me one thing: draft fields over Herbert. I can't do it. it. It's one of those ones where my gut tells me don't do it. And so I think eventually I'm going to make the swap in my rankings and just screw what the projections are spitting out at me. Um, <laughs> Because I, I just don't trust Fields to be able to, you know, let's be real. If he doesn't, he's not going to rush for a thousand yards again. So even if he, if he gives you 700, that's a massive drop off in his points. I don't believe the arm and, and the passing talent is there for him, even though they have DJ Moore. And, you know, that's not a good enough addition for me to, to warrant him being ahead of a guy like Herbert. I could even potentially put Fields behind a Lawrence. Honestly, I, I like Lawrence a lot too. So Lawrence and Herbert have been big quarterback targets for me in drafts because I, I do like their their potential to kind of jump up into, you know, you know, right where Jackson and stuff go as far as end of the season um point totals go. But um all right. I, I, I think my my only knock on Herbert, and it's not necessarily a knock on him, it's more a knock on the health of his receivers. Um, obviously, uh, we've seen, that's fair. We, we've seen Allen and, mm. and Mike Williams um, both have injury issues. Uh, more with Williams, we've seen consistency issues. So, uh, you know, he can blow up for a game and then be gone for three or four weeks. And you don't see anything out of him. Maybe the the injuries to uh, Herbert play into that from last year as well. But obviously Williams, we know his injury history and everything. So I I, I am a believer in Herbert this year. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I do like him, and and I have been targeting him more this year than I have in past years. So I, I am more of a believer in him this year because I just I just love the weapons that he has and you gotta draft based on hoping that these guys are gonna be healthy so just something to throw out there to you know knock knock that down the pack I guess <laughs> little but, fun uh, stat if you yeah. dub, if you doubled Justin Fields pass attempts it's still 63 under what Herbert <laughs> had last year <laughs> wow nice that's unbelievable. But the rushing, um, man, the rushing. Come on. <laughs> no, I I there there's rushing quarterbacks that I definitely believe in, and then there's rushing quarterbacks who I feel like could be okay. And that was Fields. <laughs> Fields was doing it to save his life last year, I feel like. <laughs> like he had no choice. It was yeah. run or die. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know if he's gonna do that this year. That uh, he just, I'm so terrified of him. But let's move on to the next quarterback. Right. We actually wanted to ask. So about. the next guy we got here is Mr. Mm-hmm. Geno Smith. Obviously, a very polarizing player. You know, some people love him, some people don't. Um, Billy, you got him at QB ten. Jared, you're at QB fourteen. Um, Jared, I want to start with you on this. I want to know why why you have him at fourteen, and you know, not necessarily all the guys ahead of him, uh, but some of some of the more notable names ahead of him, I guess that yeah. that maybe uh, you know guys that that Billy's not believing in as much. 
Yes, this definitely goes back to the the tier discussion because if I look at our projections, we we have Geno Smith three points, three projected points below our quarterback ten. Yeah. So if I if I give him another touchdown, he's he's our quarterback ten. But we do have him behind uh, Daniel Jones, Anthony Richardson, Dak Prescott, Tua. Uh, So you know that those are our ten through thirteen. I I have no issue with Geno Smith if you know if if that's who I land on at quarterback. I'm ideally trying to get someone. Uh, before it gets to Gino, but um, I got you. Know, my 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 one thing with Gino, and this is like nothing I can point to in the projections, but it's like because listen, he was awesome last year. You watch you watch him, he was awesome. You look at you look at all the advanced metrics, he was near the top of the league. But like it's still it's still Gino Smith at some point, right? Like this guy looks yeah. like a total bust until you know you know midway through the, the previous season, he had a couple decent games for the Seahawks even back in uh, twenty twenty one. But I still worry a little bit that he's going to you know revert back to the old Gino. Yeah. Okay. Fair, fair points. Yeah. Billy. Jared's dead on. Like that tier is separated by like two and a half fantasy points for me. And (laughs) today, like I made one minor adjustment of it. I'm I'm auditing all my like yards per attempt and, and yards per carry this week and just fine tuning a lot of the details. And like, I moved his yards per attempt by like less than 10 basis points and he moved a quarterback 12. And so it's like such a, (laughs) such a tight group. You no longer QB 10. Yeah, no, but I mean, but it's like, (laughs) But no, I, I like him the same as QB10. Like it's it, it's tier based yeah, drafting. That's yeah. the same. That's the same guy. That's the same guys for me. And so if I'm in a draft, I'm okay with any of those guys. It just breaks down to me. Like I think regression is definitely due. Uh, he had an amazing year last year. But to Jared's point, yeah. he also had a, a a a good year when he played that limited sample size the year before in this offense. And so I chop it up to the Jets because most people sucked with the Jets. <laughs> and here he is now in a new offense with kind of a, a spark of life. And it just worked with them. Sometimes a change of scenery is all somebody needs. And they surrounded him with weapons. They let him kind of gain confidence and, and, and learn the offense. And we saw that last year. He definitely saw regression towards the end of the year because you look at like his, his potentially interceptable passes. Like it was pretty high, quite frankly. But I do think that um, – they lean on his accuracy and they, they play to that strength and they continue that trend to 2023. Yeah. I I've got him right around 12 also, Billy. So I'm right there with you guys yeah. now. Uh, it's 12 to 14. He's, he's bounced around a lot for me. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't put this in the show sheet, but I just want to ask your thoughts real, real quick. Kind of rapid fire, Jared, Anthony Richardson, are you drafting him? Like at all this year, or are you just yeah? You're not taking that yeah, risk? I'm in. He he he's my yeah. favorite pick in in this tier okay. that we we're talking about. Um, I I just think he could he could have the Justin Fields season this year. Like it's not going to be pretty passing. There's not going to be big passing volume. It's not going to be efficient. But like he could legit run for a thousand yards. And right. if he does, Billy? like he's gonna you know he's gonna finish top eight. All right, Billy. I haven't projected for like think rookie year Josh Allen. I I think he's gonna be. Super inaccurate, going to rely on the legs. I like him more if Jonathan Taylor was was playing. Um, I'm now to the point where I think they're just going to load the box and force him to throw, which is going to create a lot of turnovers just, just because he's been very inaccurate in his college career. It's not going to get better in 2023. I mean, we saw him in the preseason struggle mightily. He was adjusting to the NFL speed, made a lot of mental errors, a lot of, a lot of mistakes. Yeah. I think that's going to continue throughout the season. Um, I think they're going to have to throw out a necessity because I think they're going to be playing from behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that his rushing stats will propel him enough to be relevant. Um, I'm not as high as most people are on him. I have him at, uh, I think, like quarterback 14 or 15. I've got him around my, – my rankings throw him in around 12 or actually 11. But um, 
it's 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 a I, I don't I usually move him down. Uh, yeah, that, that he's one of the manual movers. I I, I don't trust it. Um, I just think there's going to be. I wouldn't draft him there, like because I, I don't want to deal with the headaches of him. You know, you draft him as QB eleven. You're probably you know ultimately you should be starting him. I don't want to rely yeah. on him because I just think he's yeah, going he's, to be a mess too many weeks that I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, he's a guy when I do draft, I like getting another guy in this tier. You know, someone like Geno Smith. I, yeah. I, should, I did yeah. a I did a main event uh, the other night, and I took Anthony Richardson and Geno Smith as my two quarterbacks. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be starting Geno Smith. I'm going to be starting Geno Smith week one, so we'll see what Richardson Lord. does. Yeah, you you want to you want to see it first, so. All right, let's jump into some running backs here. That's some cojones over there, Jared, taking those two. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see, we'll see. Um, And so for people who don't know main event, that's the NFC, NFFC, right? Uh, That was was FFPC. Oh, FFPC, okay. Yeah, yeah, same kind of thing. Big big money leagues. (laughs) Um, So running backs. Um, This one, Billy, you sort of uh, gave me the hint that this was coming when you sent me your sheet. so I looked at it. You both like Saquon more than than the consensus. And second part of this question, sort of dislike Christian McCaffrey. You know, you pushed him above Christian McCaffrey, both of you. Why Not a boy, is Jared. That Billy? <laughs> so <laughs> I love to see that Jared's all the same guy. And this is great. Awesome. I love it. I thought I was like gonna get Twitter heat on this one. I haven't actually gotten any back backlash that, that much, at least I should say. But two two reasons why I love Barkley. One, um, competition for targets is nearly non-existent in this backfield. There's nobody really worth mentioning that are going to eat into his opportunity share in the backfield from a a, a rushing pie standpoint. You know, last year 295 attempts. I don't quite think he'll hit that. I have him in the 280 mark, but. I uh, still have him for 1,200 plus rushing yards. Uh, we saw opportunity share last year of 80.1%, which was RB number three in the league. Weighted opportunities, uh, 296, which was number four in the league. Snap share, nearly 80%, which was number two in the league as well. So he doesn't leave the field. He's on the field all the time. It's a back that I want for me that's going to be my my lead back and my fantasy team. And the fact that you can get him in round two right now is just disrespectful. I oh, know there was – the, <laughs> I, I wish – FFPC, he goes in round two pretty frequently. Oh, the, yeah, the receiver run big time. Yeah, I know the, uh, the, the those types of leagues. The receivers go crazy, but yeah. The biggest thing with him, I think, that's holding him down was the contract negotiation, of course, which people never fully got over. Um, the flip side is that he's had maybe a lack of involvement in the passing game for the past few years in comparison to his rookie year and what we thought he was going to be as a receiving back coming out of college. That being said, if you haven't looked at the wide receiver core for this offense, I can tell you there's a lot left to be desired. Um, you know, they had over 15 receivers at one point and they finally got some clarity with cutdowns, but it's still not pretty. And when we look at this offense, it's pretty clear to me that they're going to funnel the ball through Darren Waller. They're going to funnel the ball through Saquon Barkley. And I can see him getting closer to that rookie year campaign where he eclipsed the 100 target mark. I don't think he gets quite 200 this year. I have him in the high 80 mark, but I do think it comes in near a career high. And that's what puts him over the edge for me is the rushing share and the potential increase in target share. Yeah, I'm with it. I, I just have Barkley projected for quite a bit more touches than I do McCaffrey. Um, and I'm a big believer in the Giants offense. I, I love Brian Dable. I think year two with him, that offense is going to be even better than it was last year. And then with McCaffrey, again, going back to the volume, like th- this is not going to be 
Panthers, Christian McCaffrey, where he's playing 90% of the snaps Correct. and getting, you know, 25 touches per game. If you look at the five games McCaffrey played last year with Elijah Mitchell healthy, and now we can, you know, make Elijah Mitchell jokes when he's ever healthy. I get it. Um, but if you look at those five games, McCaffrey averaged just 11.4 carries in those five games. He had 5.8 targets. That's good. That's still going to be there. Um, but I just, I just don't think he's going to get the massive volume that he used to get in Carolina. Yeah, I mean, and and you know what? Like, it, it's funny. I wrote this question, and then a couple hours later, uh, a tweet comes out saying that they're going to take him off the field a little more to to pervert to preserve his health, um, which just goes right into what you guys are saying. So, um, I'm kind of curious. Like, I'm going to have to probably go back and, and adjust some of the projections as well because right now my projections are saying it's all Christian McCaffrey. Um, you know. You're probably not going to go wrong taking him as the first running back off the board. I think you'd be fine, um, but maybe that's not the right call anymore. Um, yeah, I, but, I I do think that there's there's other options out there that you have to weigh against this because, you know, we've seen again that McCaffrey can be an injury issue, and obviously in San Fran, Joe, we were talking about earlier with your stack of uh, you know or not stack handcuff with Eli Mitchell, whatever, <laughs> not back. on purpose, but it, it, it exactly. I am sorry. I not sorry. I screwed you on that one too, but you, you smartly took that pick because it made sense at the time for what yeah. round 14 or 15, whatever it was we were in and looking at McCaffrey's history, looking at the fact that he can be injured, and looking at the fact that San Fran loves to run the ball, um, you know, and is a power rushing team, there's going to be opportunity there. And the fact that they want to take it slow with him is more beneficial to his long-term season outlook. But at the same time, are they doing that because they're afraid he's going to get injured in week three? And then they're like, oh, well, shit, we got to go with Eli Mitchell. Still a value, you know, a viable option, but you're not drafting Eli Mitchell in round one. You're not tanking your team yeah. because you took Eli Mitchell in round 15. Um, you know, it, it's, it is definitely something to be, to be looked at. Yeah. So, so. All right, so the next guy we got here is uh, rookie Jim Mar Gibbs. Um, you know, I, I Joe wrote down polarizing again, so I don't. Yeah, want to sorry, I was typing these out. Yeah, I'm, how dare you? all these questions in like three minutes with the same goddamn words. So <laughs> you could um, help next time. <laughs> I could, you know, it's yeah. not like we didn't have the time, but so sequestered. I'm gonna go with sequestered here. Uh, <laughs> he's he's a sequestered player. But some people love him, some people don't. You know, uh, Jared, you've got him at RB nineteen. Billy, you've got him at RB nine. So, uh, Jared, I want to start with you. Like, why? Why are you ranking him this low compared to to Billy? It's actually pretty much it's it's pretty low it's, behind like ECR and stuff currently yeah. right now too. Yeah. So. Well, this is is I think a good guy to talk about when it comes to, you know, what type of scoring system we're talking about, because, you know, half PPR, uh, you know, I have Gibbs 19. If you look at PPR, he jumps to 11th. 
Yeah. 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 Sorry. I kind of go the middle ground and that's what fancy pros use for their accuracy. Yeah, yeah. Challenge. So so I'd be curious. Like... I'd be curious to know uh, how your projections uh, look for Gibbs, Billy. Cause you know, I, I have him for 15 and a half. For... 15 and a half. No, no. Uh, RB 15 and a half PPR. I think we went off okay, the okay, full yeah. PPR ranking here. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so, I, mean I, oh. I have Gibbs for 79 targets, which is awesome. Um, now I only have him for 157 carries, which is, you know, not, not awesome. That's why he's, you know, not as high in, in the half PPR rankings. We're pretty close. I'm at 163 rushing attempts for a four and a half average of seven, seven forty three ish. And then I got him at 65 targets. So we're pretty close. Um, mm-hmm. it was the difference of the, the scoring format. I think that we're looking at, I think, I think we're going off my full PPR up there at the RB nine and half PPR is down that 15 range. Uh, unless I'm missing be. somebody. I think you still have him at RB nine. Is it? Yeah. This is the sheet you sent me. You might've, you might've <laughs> changed some stuff tonight before. You I've been updating all day. Yeah. yeah. So if, if you, <laughs> you sent me this yesterday. So yeah, whatever you sent me yesterday, you had him at two fifteen total projected points in half. And that still had him in RB9. So let me, let me double check. Yeah, I've been anyway, updating. I, We're I, good. Yeah, keep I going. Digress. Keep going. So anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, he, he's a guy who like I, I just I have a tough time projecting him. Like I, I'm, you know, I've said this many times on the show. Like I'm kind of afraid he's going to get the swift roll, which can be valuable. But like we saw how valuable, right? that Jamal Williams was instead. And you wonder if yeah. that's kind of the role that like David Montgomery is going to get where he's going to get all the touchdowns and, and then Swift is just left with yards and catches, which are valuable, but you know, you, you just kind of wonder. And, and to me, to me, the big difference between Swift and Gibbs is the lines did not like DeAndre Swift. Exactly. <laughs> and they just took Gibbs. They just took Gibbs like, overall. Ah, so they obviously we'll love Jameer Gibbs. So. Fair, very fair. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I just uh yeah there there is a little doubt in the back of my mind that way just because of that um but i don't think it's um i think projections for me have him and using half oh where am i looking i'm looking around like 55 and a half receptions so i'm not quite as high on him as as it seems like you are billy so but you got him RB nine. That's that's pretty high. <laughs> but it sounds like you you might have dropped him. You might have tweaked some things. Yeah, it looks like based upon what I sent you yesterday and today, it looks like he lost about one percent target share, um, yeah. which would would do which would do that drop. Yeah. Okay. The other thing with Gibbs too is I know a lot of people have looked into this, but I mean, if you have just bet on running backs that have been drafted that high over the past yeah. like ten years, they've almost all hit as rookies. Yeah, you know they've almost all delivered RB one production as rookies. So you know the draft capital is definitely a big thing working in Gibbs' favor. And the line is one of the best in football. Yep. Yeah. So, um, next up for me is J.K. Dobbins, uh, a guy that I don't have any shares of currently, and uh, not on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I still think J.K. Dobbins is a it's a great running back, um, but just the way my drafts fall, I just don't ever seem to get him. Um, now I've got him at RB 22. Maybe that's why I don't have him. I think I might be below ECR and ADP. So, um, Billy, you tend to agree with me more placing him around RB 29. Um, but Jared, you've got them all the way up at 12. 
You are a big believer in J.K. JK Dobbins, and I'm guessing you have a lot of him this season if you've got yes. him that high. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was going in like the seventh round for a, a while there when he was not on the field. He's maybe creeping yeah. up into the fifth now, but I still like him in the fifth. Um, I mean, for starters, I'm just a big believer in his talent. He's a nice-looking prospect coming into the league, and well, all he's done in the NFL is average uh, what, five point nine yards per carry. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's, that's, that, that's pretty good. Um, he's obviously <laughs> had trouble, stay, trouble staying healthy. Um, the, the injury was brutal. He's now two years removed from that, so I'm hoping he's you know closer to the pre-injury. J.K. Dobbins, and if he is, I mean, that's an offense I want to buy into. Good old line, I think. You know, Todd Todd Munkin's going to throw the mm-hmm. ball more, which you know you might think is bad news for J.K. Dobbins. I think he's going to be involved in the passing game. I mean, he hasn't done it yet, but running backs just don't catch passes in Greg Roman's offense. J.K. Dobbins caught seventy-one balls across his three college seasons. Yeah, and he caught twenty-two balls as a freshman, top twenty catches in each of his uh, following two seasons. I think I think the guy can catch, and I think uh, Todd Munkin's going to give him. Uh, you know, the, the chance to show that. So, and I mean, it's, it's Gus Edwards and Justice Hill behind him. So I just think he's going to pick up pretty nice volume in that offense. Yeah. How many years have we seen the Gus Edwards and, and Justice Hill show, if you want to call it that? I mean, they've been productive at times, but they're not, they're not bona fide guys. And, and for Moncton to be able to have the confidence in his lead back Dobbins is clearly it. So I, I agree with that. I think that, that he's going to get more of a run here. I mean, obviously health will weigh into it, but if he can stay healthy, he's going to have an opportunity to really show that he can keep these other guys off the field and, and be more of a three down back. So Billy, what are your thoughts? Love Dobbins as a talent. Um, I think he's probably one of the most explosive backs in the NFL when healthy. I just don't have full confidence in him as a full season healthy, especially on that knee. Just didn't look quite right. Even at the end of the tail end of the season, we saw him break away runs, which was surprising to see him break away like he did. But even when he broke away, he had that hitch in his step. Um, early reports at a camp were that when he was doing workouts and, and, and that he was getting swelling in the knee, um, not a good sign for a running back, you know, this far removed from an ACL injury. And so I do have some concerns. I think it might be a little biasness too, because I just love Keaton Mitchell, but him landing on IR today, um, <laughs> Keaton Mitchell's explosive, man, him landing on IR today, changed the projection slightly, but not, not enough to where he's up where Jared is. I think it's within the realm of possibilities of him being a top 12 back just because on a pure talent standpoint um it will take more involvement in the passing game it'll take him staying healthy as well um i just don't like the chances of both of those hitting this year i think you know ceiling outcome for me would be like rb 15 16 um where i think floor outcome could be like 35 36 if he only plays you know 8 to 12 games Justice Hill looked good this preseason too. By the way, really like, good. Like, yeah. I, like, I don't think he's going to cut into Dobbins' workload much if Dobbins is healthy. But like, if Dobbins went down, I, I'd be more interested in Hill than Edwards. I mean, Edwards has had a nice career, but he's he's getting up there in age a little bit. I think um, yeah. I think Hill yeah. might be their second best back. Did you watch Ooh. any Keaton Mitchell tape, man? Like, I I know I drink wine, <laughs> I but he's I was just, getting I was getting deep into Keaton Mitchell tape at night. <laughs> He's just small, isn't he? Isn't he like Why Keaton Mitchell? That's, I mean, he he's not Oompa Loompa size like Vaughn, but he's pretty small. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's that's the only thing I had against him. Yeah, yeah. So next guy we got up here is Mr. Rashad White. 
I mean, clearly yeah. he's should get a ton of work. You know, the the main question marks we have on how good he really is and whether or not the Bucks are likely to be very bad, which is more likely, I would assume. Uh, Jared, you agree with, with Joe's placement at RB24. Billy, you, I, I believe, have him at 20, or I'm sorry, uh, RB13. So we'll start with you, unless that's changed over the last uh, bottle of wine or so. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. no, the, the ranking on White has remained the same. I'm very high on Rashad White. Yeah. And it, it breaks down to, again, opportunity share, but also his involvement in the passing game. Um, very active as a rookie. Uh, you know, no longer has Leonard Fournette. I know they no longer have Tom Brady, but I expect this offense to be better than than most people are projecting it to be because I think we get more of the L.A. Rams Baker than we do of the Cleveland Browns Baker. Um, and then at that point, I think this this offense can be a little bit more efficient than what people are projecting for. Um, even as a rookie, White saw um, over 50 targets, and so I think that we're going to see him be heavily targeted in the passing game again. Consolidation of targets, especially with the gauge injury being out for the season. Um, and whenever we see a quarterback struggle, because Baker will struggle, just a matter of how often, um, but when he does struggle, rookie quarterbacks or inexperienced quarterbacks or even just bad quarterbacks typically target the running back in the dump-offs and the flats or they target the tight end or the slot receiver. Um, and so this is going to benefit – we're going to see White be one of the main beneficiaries of this offense's inefficiencies and their struggles in the passing game. Now, Scott yeah. Fishbowl team hopes you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 funny. I ended up as the low guy in Trad White because I actually really like him too, and I've drafted him a lot. Um, another case where you know look at scoring system. So he's 24th in our half PPR rankings. He jumps up to 17th in our full PPR. And I do Mm -hmm. think he's another guy where he's more valuable in full PPR. I think that's where he's going to drive a lot of his value. I remember digging into last year's running back class and like almost any receiving metric I looked at Rashad white was like the best pass catcher in last year's class. And then he goes out and catches what 50, 50 balls or whatever it was as a rookie last year. So I'm like, I'm confident that Rashad white is already like a top 10 pass catching back in the NFL. The rushing stuff, I'm not sure about. He was a good, you know, an efficient runner in college. It wasn't good last year. The Bucks line was bad, but if you look at, you know, some of the blocking independent me- metrics, uh, White didn't fare well in those either. But he's a second-year player. Like, second-year players tend to get better, right? And I do think Rashad White yeah. is going to take a step forward. So um, he's, he's definitely a guy, you know, in that um, fifth, sixth round range. I've, I've been taking plenty. Again, he, I think he's more valuable if you're getting the, the full point per reception. To touch base, just to piggyback on that, the offensive line had so many injuries last year. Yes, they did. And oh, so yeah. we expect them to be much improved this year. So I think yeah. that'll help the metrics. I don't expect him to see, you know, five yards of carry or anything like that. Yeah. But I do expect yeah. to see a, a bump in efficiency. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I'm kind of with you, Jared. I have him right around the 24 range. Um but like when it comes down to it, and like I'm looking at like the running backs on the if I need a running back at that point in my draft, and I, that's kind of where I want to go. If I'm looking at the guys that are on the board around him, even though I've got him lower, I, I just kind of go mm, white feels like the right guy to take. Um, and so I I kind of that's where not just using my rankings as a yeah you know the the go to thing and the only thing yeah. kind of doesn't doesn't always work um i'm with, I'm with billy's 
I'm with Billy too that I, I don't think the Bucks offense is going to be a dumpster fire. And I'm not saying it's going to be awesome, but I think it'll be serviceable. I mean, Baker just needs to be okay with you know with those receivers, and yeah. the offense should should move the ball at least a little bit. Yeah, uh, they've got so much talent there. You know, yeah. at receiver too. Like it's he just he just needs to not he Baker needs to not be a dumpster fire, and then yep. it will just be I think at least average. <laughs> I think I think he needs to just lay off. Yeah, he, you got it, Larry. That's, that's <laughs> phenomenal. I think I think Baker needs to just lay off of the freaking commercials about him in in stadium, you know, trench urinal bathrooms or whatever the hell it is, <laughs> and just go out and play some football. Like, do what you're supposed to do. You've got way too much talent around you to be as bad as you've shown us so yeah you know come on uh, all right so let's I, jump into I receivers like, here like um we have hit the hour mark so let's try to speed this up a little bit but i do want to get to these guys because they are important um deandre hopkins is the guy who uh i seem to keep taking and uh it's kind of the joke between michael playing he calls my he, he likes to call my teams the old man teams because i take like i take guys <laughs> like hopkins but screw it these guys are going to fall in drafts i'm going to take them all they're they're still going to be good um I have him higher than his ADP, so that's why I get him. Uh, Billy, you believe in him a little bit uh, even more than me, placing him around wide receiver 19. Uh, Jared, you got him at 28, I believe. Uh, that's oh, pretty Jared, gap. Kill my soul. So, um, <laughs> I forget who went first last time. Uh, but, Billy, uh, go ahead. Uh, why, why are you a believer in Hopkins at 19? So I know he's getting old. He's 31, a little over 31 years old. Um, ha- hasn't been healthy, you know, and hasn't played full seasons, whether it be suspension or injury. But um, his metrics haven't fallen off that much, in my opinion. You know, yards per reception, yes. But overall, we're still seeing him in the elite categories across the field. You know, target rate, route participation, um, some, some, you know, separation. Um, and so I think that um, – it's based on me for at least volume. Now, I do expect that this offense is probably bottom five in the league in pass attempts. That being said, um, there's not a lot of mouse to feed. There's literally nobody inside mm-hmm. the passing game outside of Traylon Burks and Chigo. And I don't think that we're going to see Chigo see 20% target share. Um, so that's going to leave a lot of opportunity and target share for DeAndre Hopkins. Traylon Burks um, has shown that he has been, you know, health has been a, 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 a concern as well. Um, and so if we'd see any time missed, you know, we're going to see DeAndre Hopkins be the de facto. And of course, you know, most targeted wide receiver by a landslide inside of this offense. Um, I think that them going out and signing him tells me that this team has no intention of giving up this year. They were making one more run. They kept Henry on the roster. You know, they went out and made some improvements on both sides of the ball. Um, and it tells me they're going to try to make another run for it. And then by doing so, I think they're going to have to target DeAndre Hopkins. And so, um, you know, Typical X receiver, big, big body receiver is going to go up and, and be able to win 50-50 balls. I think that they're going to target him heavily early and often, and I think that he's going to capitalize on it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Jared, you don't agree. Um, yeah. Why not? Yeah, for me, it's just like older, probably declining wide receiver joining a new offense that's super run heavy. And, that, and I'm just a big um, Traylon Burks fan. Like I, I think, and Billy's right about the, the health of Traylon. He's had trouble staying healthy so far. I, I just think if he does stay healthy by the end of the season, he might surpass Hopkins and be that team's number one wide up. So that's just, I, I, I'm, I'm higher than consensus on Burks. I've been drafting a bunch of him and I haven't been drafting a whole lot of Hopkins. 
All right. Uh, so next up, AJ. Fair point. All right. So the next guy we got here is Deontay Johnson. So this is a player, you know, we had a big discussion about him last night uh, during the F6P draft. And, you know, obviously we're, we're buying into the bounce back, but not nearly as much as you are, Billy. Uh, you've got him at wide receiver 25. Explain yeah. yourself. It's not even a bounce back. It's just, you know, it's just back to the mean on touchdowns is all it is. It's yeah. It, if, if, yeah. Deontay Johnson scores four okay. touchdowns, then I'm probably a hot take having him too low. But the fact that he scored zero touchdowns, in my opinion, which is going to be almost almost mathematically impossible to do again in 2023, um, based upon the improvements they made on the offensive line, I, I think that we're going to see probably more of that. I think I'm for five and a half is what I have him projected for. Um, prior to that, he's seen eight, seven, and five. So I have him on the lower end of his career, but we have not seen lower than 144 targets since his 2020 campaign. And he's been a, a focal point of this offense. Um, they made a lot of improvements on this offensive line. So they're going to give Pickett more time to throw. They're going to have more balanced offense this year as well. Um, and so they went out and spent a round one pick on Broderick Jones. They got a round three pick uh, with a blocking tight end in round three. They added another offensive lineman in round seven. And so they bolstered this offensive line and it was very much needed. Um, that being said, they're going to give Pickett more time to throw. We saw Pickett really improve down the stretch. This is one of those mm -hmm. offenses that I think is going to be much better than people are expecting. Um, I own so much of this offense, not as much as Najee, but more in the passing game between Fryermuth, uh, Deontay, and of course Pickett um, because of the prices. I mean, there was a point where you could get Pickett outside of wide receiver 35 in drafts, which was just crazy to me. And the fact that we're expecting him at 144 targets plus is a, a, a discount in leagues. And if we can just, you know, regress back to the mean of his touchdown, then we're looking at another top 24 campaign. Yeah. I mean, little, uh, little, little, little tidbit about that. The target share. Number six, number two, number six, the last three years in targets in the NFL. I mean, again, the touchdowns are coming back. So we wouldn't be having this discussion. If he had scored some touchdowns last year, I guarantee people would be people are just scared with Pickett because it wasn't awesome last year. But you're right, he was much better down the stretch. He limited the limited the interceptions. That's probably the most important part too. The touchdowns are going to come back. So um, we're just going to jump into the next question because um, this one's actually kind of directed at you, Jared uh, Devonta Smith. Uh, most people have him just outside that wide receiver one range, or like maybe just inside. Um, Billy and I agree with that. Jared, you've got him all the way down at wide receiver 17, though. Um, Mr. Eagles fan over there, AJ, is not happy with you. Why Why? Why do you think that? I didn't say that. Don't, don't speak for me. <laughs> don't you speak for me, but I'm not happy. Yes. <laughs> Smith, Smith's definitely a, uh, you know, a fade that worries me because I love the player and I love the offense. Um, it, it's I think the reason he comes in lower for me is just it's a volume thing. Um, you know, the Eagles obviously didn't throw it a bunch last year. I do have him projected to throw a decent amount more this year just because I don't think they're going to be winning as often as they were last year. Right. Some it was it was uh, John Daigle had the stat like the, the number of pass attempts that Hurts averaged in the second half of games last year was like absurdly low. It was in, in like the single digits. It was like nine attempts per game just because they were winning every game yeah. and running the ball. So I think you're going to get more passing volume. Um, but I mean, I just, I think AJ Brown's still the one there. I think Dallas Goddard's really good. I think they'll throw the running backs at least a little more. Like I think the Eagles finished dead last in, um, target rate to running backs. 
last season. I think, you know, with DeAndre Swift's addition, that's going to climb a little bit. So it's just tough to find enough targets for Devonta Smith to rank higher for me. The nice thing about him is like, if Goddard or AJ Brown go down, then like Devonta Smith's a top eight wide receiver because that target share is going to, you know, skyrocket. So good at that point. Yeah. I, I, and as the Eagles fan, I don't hate on that. Um, I, I do think there's, there was a lot of mouths to feed last year. And now I feel like there's definitely more, more talented mouths to feed, put it this way. Um, so I, I can see that and, and I can see the, uh, the drop in Devonta, you know, going back. Um, Billy, any thoughts on, on Smith? Jared's spot on. I mean, it's one of those guys that's very clustered inside of the projections. I mean, you remove even four fantasy points and I'm right where Jared is. And so I think that um, there's a lot of outcomes for him. There's a lot of um, possibilities. I do think that they're going to be in different game scripts, which is what kind of props them up a little bit more. But I do think that they're going to target um, the running backs more. And I think that having a healthy Goddard all year definitely eats into it. There's some concerns there. And he's one of the players that's probably moved a lot in my projections, especially um, with every minor tweak because that that tight group right there, um, it just every time you adjust anything, those guys always flip-flop. And so it's just a matter of of what the final number is going to be for me. But I think that at the end of the day, there's it's definitely a, a double edged sword. I think you go either way on this one. Yeah, definitely. All right. So moving on to the last receiver we got here is Mr. Brandon Cooks. You know, obviously always been a pretty steady contributor, being able to get him at wide receiver 30 plus right now seems like a good deal. Uh, Billy, why do you agree with that? And Jared, why don't you agree with that? Um, Jared, I believe this is yours. You've got him ranked all the way down at 47, wide receiver 47. So we'll start with you, Billy. That's a big difference for Jared and I. Um, it starts with just his consistency. I mean, outside of his rookie year and last year inside the Houston's offense, he has been over a thousand yards every single year when he's remained healthy. And so, um, he joins Dallas pretty clear cut. Number two, no longer has to be the number one. Of course, he's been thrown around the league, like a rag doll and trade trades all throughout his <laughs> yeah. career. Um, but he's performed in every offense he's been in. Um, I expect Dallas to be a little bit more pass heavy this year in comparison to what we've seen in the years of the past. No more Zeke Elliott that leaves mm-hmm. 220 plus touches on the ground that are up for grabs. There's no running back really um, that's going to be able to take on that much volume unless you spread it amongst three backs. And so I do think that, um, this offense shifts a little bit more pass friendly than we've seen in, in the last handful of years. And so in, in that regard, it benefits, of course, Brandon Cooks and, and C.D. Lamb dramatically. And I think that uh, um, Brandon Cooks is being undervalued here in drafts. All right. Jared? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Billy. I do think uh, Dallas is going to throw it more. Than they did last year. They were kind of surprisingly one of the run heavier teams in the NFL last year. They were like a 52% pass rate last year, which is which is low. I have them up at like 57% this year. So that's good news. I, I do worry about the offense. You know, we, we talked about Kellen Moore leaving Dallas. I do worry about what that's going to do for you know the efficiency and the touchdown totals for the team. I would guess me and Billy's biggest difference is I have um I don't have a huge gap in target share between Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup. Um, okay. I, I do have Cooks a couple percentage points ahead, but I still think Gallup's a quality player. He's another year removed yeah. from his ACL. Like I think Cooks is going to be number the number two, but I think it's going to be more like you know two A two B. So you have my like sixteen and eighteen versus like twenty and fourteen percent. 
Almost exactly. Yeah, I have Cooks yeah. at eighteen and and Gallup but yeah, uh, sixteen. Yep, you you nailed, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you guys are yeah. too smart. <laughs> um. Anyway, just to, just to move it along here, I won't get my spiel on it. Uh, kind of a lot, you know, kind of a lot of what Billy was saying. But um, over to tight ends, Kyle Pitts is obviously um, you know, a a big topic of conversation for for the tight ends here. Um. I'm as big of a Kyle Pitts hater as they come right now. Like I just, I know he's immensely talented. I just, it just hasn't worked, and so I cannot draft him where he's going. Um, Billy, you've actually got him even farther down the list than I do at tight end eight. Um, that is quite a few spots below ADP and ECR. Um, why? I mean, why do you think it's going to be that, and maybe even worse? Maybe you're just putting him there because you. Sometimes kind of have to, you know, you just have to. It feels like you kind of have to project them for more, but it doesn't feel like it's even that. Sometimes feels too high. Yeah, um, I'm a bit. I mean, I'm, I zig when people zag. I kind of go against the grain projections and rankings, and I have no problem doing so. I think the biggest thing for me is just the overall volume of the offense. I do expect there's going to be some increased efficiencies, and we're probably going to see them convert more third downs and be able to move the chains a bit more and be on the field, which in turn will help them with the total attempts but even with that efficiency we're projecting to be bottom two in the league in overall pass attempts the Ritter averaged 28 and a half attempts last year if you extrapolate that as well under 500 attempts for the year mm-hmm. um you know i do think we see a consolidated tree between london Pitts, and Bijan, and, and mac collins yes i slid mac collins name in this podcast because i can um but <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> All right but to your point, Pitches hasn't done it. And Arthur Smith, I just don't trust him as a coach. Like they utilize him in wrong packages. And I'm a film guy. So you watch him, they run him out wide like an X receiver where it doesn't create the mismatches. Where if they run him in line, it's going to create a lot more mismatches. And so until they can fix and utilize him correctly as a tight end, I have a lot of doubts about Cal Pitts. And so they continue yeah. to run him out wide. It's not going to work in that regard. And we're going to continue to see him struggle. You know, they went out and their actions tell me the same thing again this year, where they added John U. Smith into the to the team and it has that previous tie with 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 Arthur. And so I don't necessarily think that John is going to take this large portion of Cal Pitts, but just simply based upon the math and you look at the breakdown, I just think that Cal Pitts is hard to project for you know, hundred, I don't even, I, without looking at it, like people are projecting him like where he's at would be like 120 targets and he's going to be very efficient with those touches as well and score. It's just a lot of things to, to kind of align to go right. And I just don't trust Arthur Smith or the volume. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Jared, you've pretty, you've pretty much got him right where everybody else does. So we'll just move on here to the next one and, and just yeah. try to close out the show here. All right, so the next uh, next guy we got here is is an interesting one, and that's Cole Komet. So he's at uh, tight end fifteen for Joe, um, and likely not somebody he's ultimately drafting. But after you know the slight breakout, there's some appeal to drafting him for at least touchdown upside. Um, yeah, if you wait on tight end, kind of somebody that yeah. you know, eh, take a take a take a dart throw, right? See what happens, but. Jared, um, I mean, you don't really seem to agree with this at all because you've got him all the way down at tight end twenty three. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I've I've never been a Cole Komet guy, and I'm definitely not this year just with the increased target competition. I mean, you know, he Komet drew a nice target share last year, but he's competing with Equinemius St. Brown and uh Valus Jones or whoever else they were throwing out there. And it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a lot tougher for him to 
earn targets this year when it's you know DJ Moore and you know hopefully a healthy yeah. Chase Claypool. The other the other um, kind of under Dante the radar. Pettis. I mean Dante Pettis, yeah, exactly. Of course, the Bears, the Bears signed uh, Robert Tunyon, who you know is not going to be a fantasy option, but I could see him stealing you know a few percentage points of target share from 5%. Cole Komet. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Which, yeah. which definitely matters. So he, he's he's not a guy I'm targeting in that tight end two range. And I think that's interesting with the Tunyon too, because he could be that that four or five percent could be end zone targets, and that's that's huge for Komet. That just deteriorates his volume altogether. Billy, any thoughts on uh, Komet? No, I have no no desire to defend Cole Komet here. I I agree <laughs> with Jared. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that I was I thought I was low on him at tight end 18. So I I'm fine with tight end 23. Honestly, like you had DJ Moore yeah. in the mix, and nice. we we talked about the stat at top. You double his you double Fields' attempts, and he's still 63 less than Justin Herbert. And so yeah, I, the, the volume is is a huge factor yeah. in the the increase in touch competition. And plus now you have Mooney who's healthy back in the field as well. So there's just a lot of things going against Cole Komet this year. Yeah. All right. Very fair. Awesome. All right. So we're going to close out here with a guy who I've been drafting a lot of. Um, I don't usually do it, but he seems to keep falling to like around five. And at that point I'm looking at some of the receivers and some of the running backs on the board. And I'm like, ah, there's really no like advantage in taking some of these guys. I can wait another round and I can take somebody who's kind of the same TJ Hawkinson though. Um, it's a guy who I'm a big fan of. Um, Jared, you you seem to agree with me. Tight end three, Billy. Though you've got him down at tight end, I believe this is five. Yeah. Um, you've yeah. got Waller and Kittle both ahead of him. Um, I can sort of see the Waller argument. The Kittle one scares me though a little bit. Just because I mean, guy health issues. Um, there's just games where he just disappears. Um, because they don't hurt game, you know, uh, game plan does not say we're throwing to Kittle today. <laughs> and that's what they do. Um, so why do you, why do you have Hawk all the way down at five? Yes. I think it's, it's very, you know, when we talk about the projections, the numbers, the math and who you take in drafts, like I would take Hawkinson ahead of Kittle in a draft room. I have Kittle projected for more fantasy points and a best ball. I'd probably take Kittle just because we see those spike weeks and we're going to oh, see yeah. less consistency than we do out of Hawkinson. That being said, um, the addition of Addison definitely kind of scares me a little bit with, with, with TJ Hawkinson. Um, KJ Osborne is not going to go away either altogether. Um, and I think yeah. that, um, we might see them utilize a combination of running backs, which was, um, not necessarily going to eat into Hawkinson's workload, but it could present itself as a different game scheme or a different plan of attack into a game where maybe they look at a two or three man rotation at the, at the backfield and they look at attacking the ground more, or they look at hitting the flats with the running backs. And so, um, very close in fantasy points here from four to five. Um, I do think that Hawkinson has some downside of where he's being drafted just because it's so high in drafts. I like the upside of Waller more, um, but Hawkinson is is a guy that I don't own a lot of. I was really high on him early in the season, like March and April, but have kind of transitioned off of him as, as of late. Okay. Uh, Jared, any uh -huh. last quick thoughts on Hawk? I know you've got him at three, which is where I've got yeah. him. Um, yeah, he's three. Not a big gap between him and Waller, though. And yeah, um, you know, I Waller still that. goes about around yeah. behind Hawkinson. So I definitely prefer him. I prefer Waller at cost over Hawk. The one thing I would say that works in Hawkinson's favor 
Um, and I think people don't realize how productive and voluminous this Vikings passing game was last year, but the Vikings oh, last word. year were third in pass attempts, uh, sixth in pass yards and fourth in passing touchdowns. And I think they're going to remain, you know, one of the past yeah. obvious offenses in the NFL again this season. Yeah. I mean, when you get rid of, I mean, I know Dalvin Cook's not Dalvin Cook of the old, but when you get rid of Dalvin Cook, it's probably not going to make you run the ball more. <laughs> Especially when you didn't really replace him. We all like Madison a little bit, but not, he's no without one cook um so all right guys well that is it for the show uh, i want to thank you both for coming on this was great information loved the discussion um billy we'll let you uh bow out first uh let everybody know where they can find your stuff this season and what you got going on yep thanks for having me on guys appreciate it again appreciate the flexibility and time i know it's getting late for you yeah. east coasters <laughs> uh me on the west coast i got some time so um you can find me over at playerprofiler.com i do all the rankings and projections uh and um we just got done uh updating all of those uh, we're doing them daily now with the with the updates for all the season cuts and the adjust, uh, adjustments for needed for your draft so heading over there and you can use code billy for ten dollars off any of the package cool Awesome. Hi, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks, thanks for coming, coming on. on. Uh, Jared, same thing for you, man. Uh, what, where can they find you and, and what's got, what you got going on this season? Yeah, at SmolaDS on Twitter. Then all my stuff's on DraftSharks, just like Billy over at Player Profiler. We're keeping those uh, projections updated every day leading right up to week one. Then I just want to uh, highlight our draft war room, which is uh, our drafting tool where you kind of uh, sync it up to your league. It pulls in all your league scoring settings. It applies those to our projections and kind of gives you a, a custom cheat sheet to use for your draft. So that's, that's really cool. I use it for every, every draft I do. That's yeah, awesome. No, that's, that's cool, Sweet. man. Fantastic. All right, guys. Well, have a good night. And um, yeah, we will uh, hopefully do this again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Cheers guys. Thank all you. Right, guys. Thanks guys. All right, AJ, that is it for the show. Our last preseason show next week will be week one thursday night we're going to be bringing on i believe we've got chris allen coming on uh he unfortunately couldn't make the show that we had him scheduled for earlier this this offseason um but he's he's gonna come back for the season start you know we, we we're gonna run through some actual week one rankings talk we're gonna um you know and then we'll have a little bit of fun with with some sort of like you know season projection you know season um like who's going to win the Super Bowl and stuff. Like, let's, let's, let's have a little fun with it. So, yeah. Uh, that again, right. anyway, that's it for the show. Um, and we'll see you all next week. <laughs>